So we are continuing our series here today, Songs That Pierce the Heart. And we've been talking about how these are powerful songs, songs that make kind of a, a mark on us, songs that we remember. And there's songs like this all throughout our generations. You know, some of you guys here in the room, you know, maybe a little older than others. And you can think back to those songs that really just take you back to high school, take you back to middle school, take you back to being a kid. Some of you guys here in the room are younger, and it's like, wow, there's those current songs that just kind of move you and remind you of a certain time in your life. And what we've been saying throughout the series is that there are all these incredible songs that pierce the heart in the Bible. They're called Psalms, right? And so we've been celebrating some of these Psalms, looking through them, and kind of working our way through some really powerful things here that we've seen. We looked at Psalm 32, and we saw David talk about the fact that it's always worth it to bring your sin to God and do things his way, right? And then last week we saw that there's nothing like closeness with God. And so these are just awesome truths we get to celebrate. Now today we want to look at another psalm. It's a really famous psalm and it's an incredibly powerful thought that we're going to hopefully land on here this morning together. And it has to do with the struggle that we all have at different times in our lives to praise God. Sometimes we all struggle to praise or thank God. And some of us, that might apply to us here in this room, you know? Like sometimes it might kind of feel like our worship here in this room is kind of like a little bit weird, a little bit, you know, maybe half-hearted or we're struggling to really get to that place of of just all out worshiping God, thanking God, praising God for all that he's done. And maybe there's some reasons for that, right? Maybe some of you here in the room would say, well, I kind of feel a little bit funny like singing with people around me, you know? Uh, I feel a little bit funny with people around me that I'm not familiar with. Or maybe you'd say I'm not musical. Or maybe you'd say, well, I enjoy what the band does, but I don't really understand my role in this whole like praising God thing here when we're together. And so some of you guys might be working through some of that. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But it's much more than just singing here in the room. See, sometimes we struggle to praise God just throughout our week. Like just have like a thankful heart. You know what I mean? I think we all can wrestle with that sometimes, having that thankful heart coming from that place of being grateful to God for all that he has done. It's a lot easier to just kind of complain our way through the week, isn't it? It's a lot easier to just sort of maybe even develop somewhat of an attitude toward God throughout our week than it is to come to it from a place of consistent thanks and praise, you know? I have a hard time with this sometimes, you know? Some days you just have bad days. And you just don't feel like being grateful to God. There's not a ton of gratefulness flowing out of your life maybe day to day. Uh, sometimes I, I look at kids and I see how they can just kind of roll with the punches with some things, you know? Like my son Cade sent me this text late uh, one, one night this past week. He said, I'm fine, but I just tried to roll over in my bed and bang my head really hard on the wall and I just thought that was funny. <laughs> like, that's not what my reaction would have been, you know? That's not quite what I, where I, but apparently this kid's thrilled about banging his head against the wall, you know? Like, they, they just roll with things better. My son Landon um, really exemplified this very well, too. Uh, this past, past week, I picked him up from school, and as we were walking off the curb, he tripped and fell down onto the pavement really hard. And my, my initial thought was, oh boy, this is going to be tears, cuts, this is going to be an issue. And as he fell, he went, woo! And I was like, buddy, you okay? And he went, Yeah! I'm like, dude, are you energized by a fall like that? Like, what just happened? So, I mean, kids have this a tremendous way of staying positive and, and, and grateful and thankful and alive, even in the midst of difficulty, you know? And sometimes I learn from that, because sometimes I struggle with staying that way throughout my week. And I would guess you do, too. I would guess there are times in your week you're like, oh, God, I just am not going to come from a grateful place right now. I'm co- not coming from a thankful place. I don't see how I could possibly thank you or praise you or worship you right now. And again, maybe you felt that here in the room today. Some of you guys were really worshiping God. Some of us, maybe we felt a little bit awkward with people around us. What does this all mean? Maybe you're new to church. You don't even understand. Why are we singing? What are we doing here? 
But I would say many of us here in the room just struggle with that day-to-day gratefulness, thankfulness, and praise for all that God has done. And I think there is a real big reason why we struggle with this. Okay? Like I said, we'll talk about some of the practical stuff a little bit later as far as feeling funny here, singing in a room with a bunch of strangers. Okay, But I think a big reason we struggle with praise, whether it's inside this room or just going throughout our week, is because we forget all that God has done. We just forget. We almost develop like a spiritual amnesia. I bet you've gone through that. I've gone through that. It can really turn into almost like a what have you done for me lately type thing. You know what I mean? with God. Uh, We were at a a pastor's conference a few weeks ago, and the guy speaking at the conference was talking about how there's no brand loyalty anymore. It's true, right? Like back in the day, there used to be like Nissan people, Dodge people, Ford people, and you never bought anything outside your group. But now it's sort of just like you find out what's kind of looking good and what's in your price range and what has good reviews, and you just kind of go with it. And I think the reason that happened is because our culture has really changed into a what have you done for me lately type culture, you know? We've kind of forgotten our history with these companies or these different experiences we used to have. Like if you're probably older than 30, then you remember the days where there was a lot of brand loyalty. That's not really around anymore. And I think the same can be true with God. We forget all of our history with him. We forget some of the things he's done and some of the ways he's shown up in our lives and the things that he's done to transform us and and make us new people. And man, all the pieces of our lives he's put back together. And when we have that kind of spiritual amnesia and we forget all that God has done, it makes it real easy to develop an attitude. It makes it real easy to not go through your week with a thankful, grateful heart. It makes it real easy to walk into this room on a Sunday and not really kind of praise God because we're just not all that excited about what he's done. And understand, man, life's hard, right? And so there are some things that can lead to this spiritual amnesia. There are some things that can lead to our, our praiselessness or our thanklessness. And it's things like pain. It's things like unanswered prayer. It's things like disappointment with God. It's going through hardship, right? That can make us really kind of fold our arms and go, what have you done for me lately, God? Why should I praise you? Why should I have a thankful heart? Why should I have a grateful heart? Now, I think when this happens, when we get to that place where we've lost that gratefulness in our heart, then praising God turns into a supposed to thing, right? I guess I'll sing along on Sunday because I'm supposed to, right? We're in church. Or I guess I'll try to develop a little bit more of a thankful heart toward God throughout my week because I'm, I'm supposed to, right? But man, that is missing the point. You see, this is so important to talk about today because when you and I get to that place where we are forgetting all that God has done and we are worshiping or trying to thank him just because we're supposed to, then the joy of the relationship is sucked out, Right? Like, when you and I are wrestling through that spiritual amnesia, there is not a lot of passion in our relationship with God. There's not a lot of joy in our step, right? And so today, I want to talk with you about this whole issue, and a whole psalm explores this. And another reason you should listen in, it's not really in the psalm, and it's not really where we're headed today, but think about this. One of the things that happens when we forget what God has done, you ready? This is important, is we are much more susceptible to sin. Just a little side thought for you. We're more susceptible to sin when we've forgotten what God has done and we don't have a grateful heart because that's what happens when we're not amazed with God. We start trying to amaze ourselves in other ways, don't we? So a little side thought, another little reason to kind of listen in as we work our way through our psalm here 
this morning. Now, some of you guys are in the room today, and you're not a follower of Jesus, and you're, you don't know what all this means. And so I'm going to explain a little bit about what this means, why we sing in church, why we maybe raise our hands a little bit here or there, or why we get excited about God. But more importantly than that, why, why at all have a grateful heart toward God? Why be thankful toward him during your week? Why all that? And we're going to work through some of that. And maybe some of you in the room are saying, man, I, I would love to understand this a little bit better. Or, or maybe you're coming from a place of woundedness. Or pain, and you're thinking, I can't imagine thanking God for anything right now because life is so difficult. And so what we're going to see today is why and how we can thank God even when life is hard, even when it's difficult. And I think it has so much to do with remembering what God has done for us. And so we're going to look at Psalm 103, famous psalm, beautiful psalm. And one of the reasons we love the psalms is because they hit us right where we live, right? Songs that pierce the heart. And then we're going to look at Psalm 103 here today. David wrote this psalm. David was the king of Israel, loved God, had his flaws. But here is where he starts in verse 1. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being, praise his holy name. So David's excited here, right? He is not saying here in verse 1, praise God because you should. Praise God because it's your job as a Christian. No, he's excited. In fact, he's like preaching to his inner being saying, praise God you know what I love about this? He, he's literally saying, because i got to preach this to myself sometimes, don't just praise with your lips. Praise with all you are. Praise with your heart. Praise with your passion. Praise with your joy. Right? And then he goes on. Praise the Lord, my soul. And here's our key. And forget not all his benefits. You see that? Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not all his benefits. In other words, One of the things we can do to stir our hearts up to praise God and be thankful again is forget not his benefits. Another way to say that is remember what he's done. Remember all of his goodness. Remember all of his mercy. And so David says, praise God and don't forget all he's blessed us with. Don't just praise God because you should. Don't just praise God because you're a Christian. Don't just praise God because it's Sunday. No, praise God because of all that he's done for you and for me. And so I love this because really what David is saying, and this is the heart of worship and praise and thankfulness to God. He's saying praise God because you're satisfied by God, right? Let it come out of that excitement and passion for what God has done in your life. Don't just praise him because you should praise him because he's amazing and he has changed your life and he has satisfied your life. You see, when we enjoy something, I hinted at this last week, right? When we enjoy something, We praise it. It comes out of our mouths. I'll give you an example. A few weeks ago, my son Cade was home, and my younger two were out. And that is a very good opportunity to show your older child a movie, uh, something that maybe you wouldn't show your younger kids, right? So we watched a movie called The Prestige. If you have not watched The Prestige, I can't be your friend until you do. So you need to see that. It's an incredible, awesome, mind-bending movie. It's great. Okay, so Cade and myself and my wife are sitting on the couch watching Prestige, and Cade's like into filmmaking and into all this kind of stuff, and he's writing this whole script right now and filming all this stuff, so, so he loves this. So we're watching this amazing Christopher Nolan movie, and about like 10 minutes in, I hear Cade go like this, whoa. And then like another 10 minutes went by, and then he went, whoa. About 20 minutes more, whoa, whoa. Right? We're working our way through this incredible mind-bending movie, all these different twists and turns. Near the last 10 minutes of the movie, he starts to like sit up. Whoa, 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 whoa. He starts to like stand up. Whoa, whoa. I mean, just the woes are coming out of Cade at this point. Now, why did he do that? In fact, for the next several days, he would just walk by me in the house and just go, whoa. And I'd be like, I know what you mean, buddy. <laughs> right? Same wavelength. I got you, right? 
Why did he do that? I can tell you why he didn't do it. He didn't do it because at the end of the movie, Christopher Nolan put up a line that said, if you've seen this movie, you should say, whoa, for the next several days. Right? It's not a supposed to. Cade had experienced something amazing, and the praise came out. And David is telling us, we shouldn't praise God because we should praise God, although we should. No, we should praise God. Because he's amazing. And when we encounter how amazing he is and that satisfaction starts to flow in our life, it begins to flow out of us. Now, some of us might say, but Doug, right now, I don't feel like I'm as close to God. I'm not feeling his presence like I once did. I'm not as near to him. Or, or maybe he's not coming through and answering prayer like I hope he would. Well, that's why we've got to remember all of his benefits. That's why we've got to look back. And we can't forget all that God has done because it's in those times when we forget all he's done, we become ungrateful and our praise in this room dries up, our praise outside this room, our thankfulness outside this room dries up and then everything becomes religion and it becomes crusty and dry and we lose the relationship and the passion and the excitement. So I think part of my job for, for, for today is to remind you to look back to all God has done, remind you to remember his benefits, to shake off this kind of spiritual amnesia as we move forward and we look at God, that thankfulness is going to pour out of us. So now, you might be sitting here going, yeah, all right, well, I don't really, you got to help me out here, Doug. I mean, what do I have to praise God for? Maybe you're a first timer here at church today. What do I have to praise God for? What has he done for me? Well, I'm glad you asked because David literally spends the rest of the psalm telling us the benefits, telling us the amazing things God has done. We don't even have time to get to them all because there's too many. We're just going to read through a few. But I want to kind of stop and pause after several as well, okay? So let's talk about one of these things you and I should remember. Look at what David says, who forgives all your sins. Guys, you ready for this? If this were the only thing on the list, then we should be the most grateful people who ever lived, right? If this were the only thing, if Psalm 103 ended, ended after that verse, Remember all his benefits. Oh, what are they? Well, he's forgiven all your sin. Okay, well, then you and I have reason to praise here in this room, and we have reason to praise when we get outside this room because God has rescued us. God has forgiven us. And if you can't say God answered this prayer in this last week or God answered this prayer in the last month or this last year, and it's, and it's just difficult, if you can't say that God has come through for you like kind of present day here and now recently, at the very least you can look back and say, yeah, but Jesus died on the cross for me to forgive all my sin. If you're not a follower of Jesus, what has God done for you? He sent Jesus to die on the cross to remove your sin, to make you and I free of the tremendous debt and the guilt that we otherwise would have carried. If this were the only thing God ever did for us, praise should be flowing out of us. Praise should be coming from you and from me. But it's not the only thing God has ever done for us. He goes on, he says, and heals all your diseases. Now God does heal diseases, right? And one of our prayers as a church in 2018 as we ask God to move in power is that we will see him heal the sick. That's why we just prayed 10 minutes ago. It wasn't just to be nice and this is what we do for people who are hurting. No, we pray expecting God's going to bring some healing, right? And God does. When my wife was 20 years old, she was healed of a very, very dangerous disease. And God literally just touched her in a mighty way. Doctors are going, I don't know what to say. Blown away, floored. Some of you guys have experienced God coming and healing. But then we might object to this verse too, right? We might say, but what about all the people he hasn't healed, right? Like, for example, my mom died of cancer at 59. Doug, obviously this, this verse is not true. Well, just 
Stick with me for a second. You see, my mom had cancer when she died, but she doesn't have cancer anymore. See, she's in heaven, and God healed her of her disease. It's not here like I kind of wish he had, but my mom is not in heaven with cancer right now. God heals all of our diseases. Many times he does that here, and that's how we pray. We ask him, God, heal. God, show up. God, do the impossible. But we also know that, man, when we stand before him in heaven, we're not going to be walking around with sickness or disease. We're going to be healthy and whole in his presence. This should be drawing praise out of you and me. See, i got to remember back, because my wife's going through a lot physically right now. i got to remember back 20 years ago when he healed her then and say, wow, okay, praise should be flown out of my heart. Not because it should, but because God is amazing. Then he goes on in verse 4. He says, who redeems your life from the pit? God's redeemed our lives from the pit. I don't know about you. I was stuck in a horrific pit when God rescued me, a pit of lust, of anger, of pride, of doubt, of fear. God rescued me out of all that. What did God rescue you out? What pit were you in when God rescued you out of? You see, sometimes we just forget about that. Like, just imagine this. You were stuck in a literal pit. Imagine you were literally down in a pit, and you knew you were going to die, and someone came, and suddenly there's a rope dangled down. You grab the rope. They pull you out. Your life is saved. I don't think we will ever forget something like that, right? For some reason, man, we get this spiritual amnesia sometimes, and we forget that's exactly what God did for us. He rescued us out of the pit. What pit has God rescued you from? That should draw praise out of us. Then he goes on, and he crowns you with love and compassion. Check out what Charles Spurgeon said. We got a quote here. He wrote this a long time ago, so some of the words are a little bit different than we might say them today, but check this out. Our Lord does nothing by halves. He will not stay his hand till he has gone to the uttermost with his people. Cleansing, healing, redemption are not enough He must needs make them kings and crown them. And the crown must be far more precious than if it were made of corruptible things such as silver and gold. It is studded with gems of grace and lined with the velvet of loving kindness. It is decked with the jewels of mercy but made soft for the head to wear by a lining of tenderness. You see, that's what God has done for us. Remember I said before, if all he did was forgive our sins, that would be enough to draw praise out of us. But that's not all he's done. He's then crowned us with things like love and compassion. Then he goes on. This is great. Who satisfies your desires with good things. This is an incredibly powerful thought because we all have desires and we all try to fulfill those desires, don't we? And sometimes we throw good things at those desires and sometimes we throw bad things at those desires, right? This past week I discovered something monumental. Peanut butter Oreos. Incredible, right? I'm walking through the store. Some of you are shaking your heads in denial. They're incredible, all right? All right? And so I encourage you all to buy a pack of them and watch The Prestige, and you'll enjoy life, all right? But I'm walking through the store. I see that, and I'm like, my, my interest was suddenly like completely peaked, and I grab them off the shelf, and as I'm on my way out to the car, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to try one of these on the ride home. Get home, and a half a sleeve is gone, right? And so I only live two minutes from the store as well. So I, I pull up in the house, and I walk in, and I'm like, peanut butter Oreos, and I'm like running through the house with this package, like proclaiming their glory. And like half hour later, I'm like, I feel disgusting right now. <laughs> like I want to die right now. I feel so sick. What did I do, right? Now sometimes we throw good things at our desires, and we end up satisfied. Sometimes we throw bad things at our desires, and they satisfy at first, but then we feel sick. And I love that what David is saying here is, man, I've thrown some stuff at my desires, but they don't satisfy. 
I mean, David relates. I mean, he threw adultery at his desires. He threw murder at his desires. He threw being a bloodthirsty king at his desires, but they didn't satisfy. And David here is saying, yeah, but God satisfies me with good things. He doesn't just throw things at me to kind of, you know, those fillers. No, he satisfies me with good things. And so I was throwing lust at my desires, but God satisfied me with love. I was throwing jealousy and insecurity at my desires, but God satisfied me with acceptance. I was throwing greed at my desires, but God satisfied me with contentment. What about you? What were you throwing at your desires? And How did God come through and satisfy you? You see, that should draw praise out of us. We've got to remember. we just got to remember. And when we remember, we won't have to try to force ourselves to have a thankful heart or a grateful heart. It'll flow out of us. We won't have to try to come in this room and work up the strength to sing. No, it'll flow out of us. We've got to remember what God has done. Now we're going to read a block of verses together. And there's so much in here. I wish I had time to stop and talk about all this. He says, so that your, your, your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. And I love these next several verses. Verse 10, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as, the high, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So let's pause there because that's beautiful stuff right there. A few years ago, we did a series based on these verses, and it was called Immeasurable. You know why? Because God's love for you is immeasurable, and he has removed your sin an immeasurable distance from you. Right? That's what, that's what the psalmist just told us. Let this pierce your heart. How much does God love you? As high as the heavens are above the earth. Well, can you measure that? No. God loves you in a measurable amount. Nobody's got a tape measure going up as high as the heavens are above the earth. So, so God loves you immeasurably. And he's also removed your sin an immeasurable distance from you. You cannot measure how far the east is from the west. It's immeasurable. So you are loved immeasurably. And God has removed your sin and my sin immeasurably. And so the big things that we kind of kick ourselves over, over, and over again. Man, I wish I hadn't, I wish I hadn't, I wish I hadn't. Guess what? Scripture tells us God has removed that sin from you so you can forgive yourself because God has forgiven you. And you can know today you are loved, not just a little bit, immeasurably. There is no measure for the love that God has for you. That ought to draw praise out of our hearts. Again, we're going to read a little bit of a block of verses and this is powerful. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And I love this, guys. I need this today, man, because I'm weak, right? For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over and it's gone, and its place remembers it no more. You see, those, I, I mean, I know the last verse sounds a little bit, you know, hopeless, but I love these verses because I need to know God knows how weak I am. I need to know that he knows how badly I need his strength and I need his grace. And so, as many of you know, it's been a very difficult year for our family with all that my wife has gone through. And, and on top of that, um, just moving the church from one location to another. I mean, just the, the toughest year of my life. And, and I was thinking this past week, if, if I wasn't going through what I'm going through, but one of you were, and let's say we were sitting at lunch and we're talking about all you're going through, and you're telling me all the things you're going through. 
I can tell you exactly what I'd be doing. I'd be sitting there on the other side of the table going, man, I feel terrible for this person. And I'm going to pray that God will give them the grace and the strength to get through it. But you ready? Here's what I'd be thinking. I hope I never go through that, and I don't know how they're getting through it. You see, if I were telling myself my story of what I'm going through, those would be my thoughts. And, and I had that thought that this past week that even though that's true, I am getting through it. And it's not because I'm strong. I have my moments. I'm dust. But God remembers that. God remembers my frame. God remembers what I've made of. God remembers what my family's made of. And he gives us the grace. And by his strength, he empowers us to continue to walk a very difficult road. That should draw praise out of you and out of me. If you told me two years ago I'd be going through what I'm going through now, I'd say, no, no, please, no, I can't imagine getting through that. But by the grace of God, I am getting through that because he is with me. Then verse 17 says this, But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Now, I don't have time to comment on all of that, but I will say this. We have a God who has established his throne Overall, he's in control. I think I'm really hoping and praying that uh, week five of this series, we're going to really explore that topic. But man, God has you and me. He is in control today. And that's to draw some praise out of our hearts. And then David goes back to encourage us how he started. Verse 20, praise the Lord, you his angels. This is talking to the angels now. Praise God, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all the heavenly hosts, you who serve. You, his servants, who do his will. And then he comes back to this. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. And he finishes that song in the same place he started. Praise God. Praise God. Thank God. Be grateful to God. And I just love that sandwich between those kind of commands to his own heart to praise God are all the reasons we should praise God are all the things that God has done. And I love that he reminds himself, he says, don't forget, forget not all his benefits. Remember what God has done. And when you remember, praise is going to flow out of your heart because when you and I experience something great, that's what we do. We don't have to force ourselves to praise. When we encounter a living God, we praise because he's awesome. And that's what's going to flow out of you and flow out of me. And so if I could kind of summarize this psalm, I would say it this way. Remembering God's goodness produces praise. If you're struggling here to praise God today, if you're wrestling through man, having a grateful heart and a thankful heart, I'm telling you right now, when you remember God's goodness, it produces praise. I would encourage you, and I do this once in a while when I'm really feeling like I have an attitude toward God, I'll just sit with my iPhone and I'll just write on one of those notes all the ways God's blessed me. You know, some of you guys want to go old school, take out a a pen and a piece of paper, sit for a while, and just write all the ways God has blessed you. And as you do that, I can guarantee you that praise is going to start to flow out of your heart. Reach back. What pits has he pulled you out of? Reach back. What places were you despairing in? What times in life that you were broken did he remember your frame and get you through? You're going to begin to see remembering God's goodness produces praise. In fact, I'll give it to you even in a simpler way. I hope these three words stick with you this week. Remembering produces praise. Carry those three words with you throughout your week. And I guarantee you're going to begin to see a thankful heart come out of you. And when that thankful heart comes out of you, the joy of the relationship with God returns. And the excitement and the passion begins to return. So let me talk with you 
about how we respond to this. You see, number one, we would love for this room on Sunday mornings when we gather to, be praise, to praise God to be absolutely full of the praise of God. Like, we literally would love for our praise to blow the roof off this place when we're gathered together, that we would be so excited about God that when people walk in, they would see such passion for God. So last Sunday was the Super Bowl, right? And do you know that 66,000 fans sat in that stadium in Minnesota and they praised for three and a half hours? 66,000 people. It was probably the most passionate place on earth. And that's okay. I'm fine with people getting excited about football. And I mean, just think about it though. People spending thousands and thousands of dollars traveling across the world or the country to sit in a stadium to watch people throw and catch a ball and tackle each other. And that was the most passionate place on earth. And you know what? 103 and a half million of us watched on TV. And that's okay too. I was one of them. But I just have to think that it would be way better if this were the most passionate place on earth on a Sunday. If the most excited people were people who called themselves followers of Jesus. Because they remembered all that he has done. I would love for people to walk into this place and say, you know what, I don't know if I believe in their God. I don't know if I believe in Jesus yet. I don't know if I can trust all this. But I can say this, those people were so passionate about what they believe in. I like to ask people once in a while um, what they think draws people to church. You know, So I asked one of our 21-year-olds recently, I said, why do you think people choose a church? He said, I could tell you one of the reasons is when they see passion. People are drawn to passion. And I'm telling you, if we could come into this room on a Sunday morning and be so passionate about God, and I'm not saying things have to get all crazy, people running around the room and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Don't worry, that's not what I'm shooting for. I'm just shooting for us being genuinely excited and passionate about God. And when they walk into this room, they don't see a bunch of people singing songs because they should. They see a bunch of people singing songs because we are satisfied with God. And like my son, we're kind of just going, whoa, whoa. I love that passion. Our worship pastor, Andrew, he's not here today leading, um, but he's the guy who's up here every Sunday for the most part leading us in singing and worshiping. And when he was in 10th grade, he came to our youth group. And he's told this story before. He walked into the room and and was kind of hanging out before. And then when the music started, he began to see the kids and the seats around him actually worshiping God. And Andrew grew up in church his whole life. But but he, he said, and this is the way he put it, I saw that they had something I didn't have. They had a passion for God, and that came out in the way that they sang and the way that they would raise their hands toward God. If you're here today and you saw me maybe in the beginning of the service raising my hands toward God or some people in the seats around you, we kind of say it's kind of like when a little kid raises his arms to his dad or, or her dad. Like, I just want to be close to you. Or sometimes it's, a, it's kind of like a symbol of surrender. Like, God, here I am. Like, I want to be close to you or do what you want with my life or or just come close to me, okay? And so Andrew's there in that youth group setting as a little 10th grader, seeing all these, group, uh, these kids around him with their arms up toward God, worshiping God, passionate about God, and it transformed him. And he is now our worship pastor. Thank God he walked into a room full of people with passion. Thank God he didn't just walk into a room full of people who were worshiping because they should, because they were supposed to. Thank God he walked into a place where people were genuinely excited because now he gets to lead us with his excitement. You know, if you've seen him up here, he's excited. He's excited about God, and he loves to lead us closer. And some of you guys may have been sort of through this whole message thinking, okay, I'll, I'll try to work on the whole grateful you know, heart toward God when I'm outside these walls, but 
inside these walls, I kind of struggle because I feel weird with the people sitting in the seats around me. I'm not musical. I have a bad voice. I feel a little bit funny. All right, let's just address those real quick. First of all, why do you think it's dark in here? Because we want you to feel like there's no distraction around you. You can just meet with God. We want it dark in here because we want you to feel like, wow, I can connect with God without people looking at me. Honestly, why we do it? Some of you guys may say, well, I don't have a great voice. Well, it's a good thing our music is bone-crushingly loud because no one can hear you anyway. So sing your heart out. And if those two first things don't kind of affect you or impact you, let me just paint this picture for you, okay? Let's take the same, I'm guessing, 125 people we have in this room right now. Let's take the same 125 of us, right? And let's say we're not at church, but let's take all 125 of us to a section of an arena or a baseball stadium. And we're all sitting in section 101. Here we are, right? And our favorite sports person out there scores a touchdown, hits a home run. I'm guaranteeing that the 125 of us are not going to be sitting there going, this feels a little bit funny about showing emotion at this time with all these strangers sitting around me. Right? We're all going to be up high-fiving each other, jumping, right? Excited, passionate. I mean, I have been in stadiums where the entire place is up doing the wave. Like, what are we even doing, right? I've been in stadiums where the whole place is chanting the same name. I don't know one of these people around me except my family. So I don't know that we should feel funny about being around people showing some passion and emotion. This is exactly what we do so often in life. Favorite concert, everybody singing the same song. 100,000 people in a stadium. You do okay with 125 here, right? It's okay to show some emotion and some passion for God. And I always like to think of this. How would I worship if Jesus were physically standing in the room? Now, he's here. But if, if he was here, physical form could see him, and I knew he could see me. How would I want to worship him? How would I want to praise him? Him. What would I want him to see me doing so that he would know I'm thankful and grateful? I'd want to be singing along. I'd want to have my hands raised up to God. And this isn't about that. If you feel funny about it, okay, you, you do what you do. You know? so, I mean, some of you guys were like, when I get an illustration about the sports thing, you would be sitting in your seat, not cheering along, not screaming, because that's just you. Okay, that's all right. But do what God would call you to do when you're excited about something as big as God. And so today, I hope you're challenged, and I hope you'll carry this outside these walls, though, because this is not a message about just us praising together. It's about having that grateful heart throughout our week and that thankful heart throughout our week. And I think if we can just get into that habit, remembering God's goodness produces praise, remembering produces praise, that we're going to walk in the joy of our relationship with God. We're going to walk in the joy of our salvation, the closeness that we can have with God. And I think we'll be free of that attitude. None of us enjoy that. None of us enjoy that. None of us enjoy having an attitude toward God, being angry with God, being ungrateful toward God. And isn't it funny how when we're angry at him or ungrateful toward him, it spills over into all the rest of our relationships. So today, will you think and pray about remembering all that God has done for you? Forget not his benefits. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope today you've seen why we want to get excited about God. And why it's a beautiful thing to follow Jesus. Jesus died for you. He came to rescue you. 
removed your sin as far as the east is from the west, loves you more than the, the heavens are high above the earth, and he rescued you and me out of the pit that we were stuck in and we'd never get ourselves out of. If you want to put your trust in him today, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a second. So this week, let's remember. Let's work on developing this joy in God as we remember. And that remembering produces praise. God, we thank you so much for being with us this morning. We thank you so much for the power of your word. We thank you so much for the love that you have for every one of us here in this place. I thank you that, Lord, your love is greater than we can imagine. It's greater than we can think of. God, that you've separated our sin as far as the east is from the west. God, but you've not just done that. You are our healer. You're the one who's redeemed us from the pit. You're the one, God, who crowns us with compassion and tenderness. You're the one who remembers our frame. God, you are everything to us, and we thank you. And so, God, we ask for your help and just remembering, God, would you remove this, this spiritual amnesia that we wrestle with and struggle with, God? And would you help us instead to be able to go through our weeks and enjoy it together in this room a great passion for you as we worship you? If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to think for a minute. It's about, about the pits God has rescued you out of. I want you to think for a few minutes about the sin he has saved you from, the grace he has shown you the times that he's gotten you through a very difficult, broken situation by being your strength. Let that produce a real, genuine praise. We're not going for anything made up here. We're going for the real thing. And that comes when we experience God and when we remember in the past how we've experienced it. If you're not a father of Jesus today, you want to put your trust in him, I would encourage you just to pray something like this quietly. Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for rescuing me from the pit that I was stuck in, sin separation from you. Forgive me for my sin, God. Heal my heart. Show me how real you are. Give me new experiences with you. Show me what it means to follow you as my Lord and my Savior. I thank you, God. Your love for me is higher than the heavens are above the earth. You've separated my sin as far as the east is from the west. Your name.